We are starting a, um, a new series today. Oh, there we go, right back to the end. There we go. Um, a new series on the little book of Philemon. Now, in your bulletins, you'll find an, found, found an outline as well. There's a little map there. We're going to get to that map in a moment, just because maps are cool. Um, well, I think so anyway. It'll help you understand the letter. If, uh, and I'll have it up on the screen too in a moment. So, uh, we're going to have a, a, a Q&A at the end. If you've got a question or a, uh, or a comment, a word of encouragement, then uh, you're welcome to ask that. You might want to jot some notes down as we go through. Let me, um, let me pray for us as we start thinking about this wonderful little book. Father, we, uh, we thank you for your kindness to us in giving us your word. We thank you that you haven't left us clambering around in the darkness, wondering how we should live our lives. And Lord, we th- thank you today that you've given us your son. So we pray that we would uh, respond with uh, trust and obedience to what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're looking at the book of Philemon. Now, I know I've just told you to go to Colossians, stay in Colossians, that'd be great. Uh, Philemon is a gem of a book. It's a very small book. It's much easier. Well, our last series on Joshua, that was much easier to find. Philemon is a bit harder to find, but we'll get to that in a moment. Behind the letter to Colossians and Philemon is a story, a great story, of, um, of evangelism, of uh, church planting, of, um, of Christian growth. So our plan this morning, the next little while, we're going to spend a fair chunk of our time understanding the story behind or the background to these two letters. And it's a great story. I'm looking forward to telling it, uh, sharing it with you. The background to what we have today. And then we're going to look, um, look more carefully at the first seven verses of this little letter of Philemon. So that's where we're heading. Well, the, um, the story begins with a man... Oops, wrong way. What's that? That's interesting. Ah, oh, there we go. That's... Have we... Uh, sorry, right. I'll just check this out first because there's lots of slides. So that's our first. That's our second. Great. Okay, we're good to go. Now, the story begins with um, a man named Philemon. Now, Philemon lived in the town of Colossae. Now, this is where the maps are good fun. So, there is Colossae. Okay, now that little box there um, is represented and magnified um, up the top there. So Colossi, where the little laser is, this might even come out if you're watching at home. Hello, if you're watching at home on the YouTube. Um, there's Ephesus, right? That's a town we need to know. And you might recognise a few other places. There's Corinth, uh, Thessalonica. So this is all modern day Turkey. Right here, that's where we're heading. And so that's a town that's worth mentioning too, Laodicea and Hieropolis. So Colossae, Ephesus, and over here, that's important, that's Rome. So we'll get to Rome soon enough. So the story starts with a guy named Philemon and who lived in the town of Colossae. Now in the year, it was around the year of AD 53, and business brought Philemon to, uh, down the coast to Ephesus. Now, if you've been to Ephesus, Ephesus has, has one, or the locals call it Ephes, uh, and uh, it has wonderful Christian, it's a wonderful Christian archaeological site, as well as a Roman um, archaeological site, and uh, very much held together. It's excellent, worth visiting if you're ever in Turkey. Now, no doubt Philemon had visited Ephesus many times before, but on this occasion, there was a bit of a, there was quite a stir in the city 
because a, nam, a man named Paul, well, he was attracting large crowds and speaking to those crowds in a local hall, arguing about the one called Jesus, who he claimed was not only the Messiah of Israel, but indeed the Lord of all and the judge of all. So we read about that in Acts 19, verses 8 to 10. Now there's our little Philemon character. Um, so uh, I won't read it all to you, but we read it a bit before, but we can read Acts 19 is where it's um, uh, documented. Now other amazing things were happening around this man as well, this man Paul. People being healed, uh, evil spirits left people, and like many others at the time, Philemon in Ephesus heard the gospel, heard the preaching from Paul, and he was saved. He became a Christian there in Ephesus, and he was converted. But not only that, Philemon in some way became involved in Paul's ministry. It seems likely that Philemon returned to Ephesus over the next year or two, going back and forth, and helped Paul out with his work. At about the same time, another citizen of Colossae had a similar experience to Philemon. Now, his name was Epaphras. And like Philemon, he was not a Jew. Now, the details here are a little bit sketchy, so we put a few bits and pieces together. But it seems both of these men returned to Colossae, believers in Christ the Lord, and after their conversion in Ephesus. So if you've got Colossians open, I'd love you to come with me to Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 to 8. In fact, I think I've got up the, up the screen, I do. There you go. Listen to how Paul describes in, in this uh, letter to the Church of Colossae, how he describes the work and the, the help from Epaphras. So verse 3, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven, about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel, the word of truth, as it's called, that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understand God's grace, understood God's grace. You heard it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. So we see that Epaphras had a lasting impact on the people at Colossae. Epaphras spoke the word of truth, the, the, the true message of the gospel. He also spoke to those neighbouring towns in uh, Laodicea, up, up there, Laodicea and um, Hierop uh, Hieropolis, with similar results too. So in Colossae, the new believers were able to meet in Philemon's house and no doubt under his leadership and guidance and spending, uh, after spending some time with Paul back in Ephesus. So, so far we've got two key figures. We've got uh, Philemon, who the church met in his house in, at Colossae, who went back and forth to Ephesus and became a Christian under Paul's teaching. We've also got this guy called Epaphras. He was another, another Greek, and uh, he also um, became a Christian under Paul's teaching in Colossae. They both headed back to Colossae after being converted and running that church in that town of Colossae. So let's turn our attention now to another character in this story, another member of Philemon's household, a slave, a servant named Onesimus. 
on Isthmus. These, these names get a bit tricky to, to remember and to hear, but you'll get the hang of them. Let's go home tonight saying Epaphras, Onesimus, Philemon. Um, anyway, Onesimus we're talking about, he was a slave. Now, his name actually meant useful, but he was actually far from useful, really, at the start, um, at, at first, I guess. It seems he was not such a good slave and didn't get along with Philemon, his master. That's probably a bit of an understatement, actually. And he probably thought his master was a little bit strange, too, because he kept on inviting all these people to his house who were all a bit weird and funny and started preaching this gospel about Jesus and they all started singing to him and praying to him. For Onesimus, that was pretty weird. Anyway, for some reason, we know that Onesimus ran away from Philemon. And as most runaway slaves do, he stole from him. Uh, most likely stole from him. Onesimus, not surprisingly, um, ran away as far as he could. We got to Onesimus, yes, there he is, as far as he could, and he ran away to Rome. All right. Now, sometime later, we're talking around 60 to 61 AD, much had happened to Paul since his time in Ephesus. And again, we can read more about it in Acts. But by the time Onesimus found himself in Rome, Paul too was in Rome as a prisoner, probably under house arrest uh, with a Roman guard. And so we can read more about that in Acts 28. As God's providence would have it, here's what happened. But we know what happened. Paul, uh, well I should say Onesimus, met up with Paul. He heard the gospel and he was saved. He became a Christian. And then uh, a deep affection grew between Onesimus and Paul. Well, sometime later, uh, time passed, and then one day, a familiar face from those days in Ephesus turned up to meet, to visit Paul in Rome. Who might that be? Epaphras, yes. Now, we don't know much about what drew him to Rome, not really quite sure, but it seems that he too became a prisoner for Christ through the preaching of the gospel. But what we do know is that Epaphras shared with Paul the good news of the church at Colossae, the good news of their solid faith, the good news of their extravagant love. Epaphras shared with Paul and Onesimus the good news of their confident hope their orderly lives. And we read about that in Colossians chapter 1. Now, Paul, well, he was, of course, uh, thrilled with this good news and he was filled with thankfulness. And so uh, two things needed to be done in response. Here's the first thing that needed to be done. He needed to make contact with this group of believers meeting in uh, his old friend Philemon's house. He needed to ensure that they were firmly established in the faith. He needed to ensure that they continued to live for Jesus. And so he wrote a letter to them to confirm, to strengthen, to stabilise their faith in the Lord, uh, to stabilise the faith of the Colossian believers. That letter is in our hot little hands today. That letter is the letter of Colossians. But second, the second thing he had to do, well, he, something needed to be done about the situation with Onesimus. Remember Onesimus? He was the runaway slave who probably stole from Philemon. And of course, the church at Colossae now meets in Philemon's house. 
Something needed to be done about this runaway slave who's now become a Christian, who's now become a follower of Jesus under Paul's ministry and has become quite close to Paul too. So Paul wrote this other letter, Philemon. Now Paul sent these two letters off to Colossae by the hand of a, name, a guy the, uh, by the name of Tychicus. Even harder to say, Tychicus. <laughs> um, he was a friend and trusted colleague of, of Paul and so Tychicus heads off to Colossae but to everyone's surprise, with him is Onesimus. I would presume this is how it went down. When Tychicus and Onesimus arrived in Colossae, people got wind of their arrival, word spread of the two, and word spread of the two letters that Paul, remember Paul was the man who had led Philemon and Epaphras to Christ way back in those Ephesus days, had taught them the word of truth. And so they all gathered together in Philemon's home, probably a room about a third of the size of this one. They gathered together to hear the letters read. Now, I wonder at this point, I, wa- I wonder, what did they do with Onesimus? <laughs> what did, they, did they say, you wait in the car, or the chariot, or whatever? Uh, <laughs> you wait on the horse? What did they do with him? They hide him away some way. It's a little bit embarrassing, isn't it? Uh, what did they do? A little bit awkward, maybe. I don't know. We don't know what they did. I suspect he was there in the room with them. I, can, I, I, I guess we can imagine Tychicus saying something like this as he finished reading the first longer letter, Colossians, and then he switched over. Uh, He might have said something like this, Brothers and sisters, I do have another letter from Paul that he wants you all to hear. It's short, but important. And then he read Philemon to them. Okay, that's where we're heading now. So if you've got your Bible, flip over to Philemon. Uh, So if you've gone to Hebrews, you've gone a bit too far. It's just before Hebrews and after Titus. Easy to miss, it's just, in my Bible, it's one page. Now that's a long introduction, I realise that. But it's a great story and, uh, and, and it obviously helps with the background and understanding the book immensely. Well friends, let me say, um, let me say this, just... Uh, before we have a read here. So the, the fellowship of believers in Jesus Christ is remarkably powerful for good. The fellowship of believers in Jesus Christ is remarkably powerful for good. Now, I wonder if that's been your experience. I wonder if it has. Uh, maybe it has without you fully appreciating how good it's been. See, we often take good things for granted, don't we? But maybe the fellowship of believers has been less than a good experience for you. When we hear this Christian term fellowship, I tend to think of, um, well, my father became a Christian. uh, When did he become a Christian? I don't know, a long time ago, 50s, something like that, 60s. Anyway, he, he, (laughs) he, um, he talks about his youth group that he went to as a teenager and he calls it fellowship. Some of you might have that experience as well, a few nods there. That's what I think of when I turn the fellowship. Maybe you think of church, that's not a bad thing, you probably should think of that, as we'll see. 
Maybe you think of just Christians, Christian friendship. That's what Christian fellowship means. Both of those are very good things and part of what we're talking about here, or maybe you're thinking of the fellowship of the ring, like Lord of the Rings. You might be thinking it's got something to do with that. Maybe, that, if that helps you, it might help, not sure. We might get to that analogy later on. Here's what I want to suggest though. I want to suggest that there's a danger. There's a danger in underestimate, underestimating, got there, and undervaluing the fellowship of Christian believers, watering down Christian fellowship. There's a danger in that. See, is it possible that in our quest to do church well, in our quest to do ministry well, discipleship programs, music, uh, conferences, events, all that sort of things, we lose, the, the, we lose sight of the basic and wonderful goodness and power of the fellowship of believers. It is possible. Now, if you're, thinking, if you're wondering at this point what on earth I'm talking about, well, perhaps it's evidence that my concerns have some basis. So what is Christian fellowship? What is it about? Well, I think this little book, Philemon, tucked away in the corner of the New Testament, gives us some answers because it's a book about the power of the fellowship of believers. That's what it's about. As um, we've already heard, behind this book is a wonderful story and to read this letter is to hear a deeply moving call to know and experience the power of Christian fellowship. So that's what I pray you will experience, not only over the next few weeks as we dug us dig into Philemon, but over every week here at church. So, okay, let's imagine the scene. Radio, um, packed room, it's a bit exciting. Tychicus has arrived with these two letters, two letters from Paul who led Philemon, the church leader, and Epaphras to Christ, but with him is Onesimus, the runaway slave. Uh, Tychicus has just finished reading Colossians, and as the church waited in silence, still a little bit of awkwardness around, he began to read again. So Philemon, verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, we'll stop there for a minute. Now, as he kept reading, though, uh, something changed. Something changes in the language. Now, we don't really get it in the English, sadly. This doesn't come out in our translations. But the original Greek, uh, in the original Greek, the word for you, whenever it occurs from verse 4 onwards through to verse 20. One is singular. I'll say that again, it's pretty important. The word you, when it occurs from verse 4 to 21, and see it in your Bibles there, is singular. Singular. So as Tychicus read, he may well have looked up to see Philemon's response, to have a look at his face. I don't know. For these words were directed at him. Now, we get a bit of an idea of how that might have felt by reading it this way. We're going to replace the you with Philemon. So let me read it to you, verse 4. I always thank my God as I remember you, Philemon, in my prayers, because I hear about, Philemon, your love for all his holy people and, Philemon, your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray, Philemon, that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every 
good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Philemon, your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Is it my, my guess? My guess is that everyone in the room was listening very carefully. Don't you think? I reckon they would have been. What was it that Paul needed to say to their host? Why does he get a letter on his own? Why does he get a letter addressed to him? What was so important that he needed a separate letter? And I tell you, I have no doubt that Philemon was all ears. He was listening very carefully. Well, we'll have to wait until next week (laughs) to hear the answers to those questions because the amazing and profound introduction in verses 1 to 7 deserves our full attention for the next few minutes. Um, In a sense, it prepares us for what's said in the rest of the letter. So let's turn our attention to this introduction. And you can see in your outline, if you're following your outline, I've flipped over the page now. And um, we look at this introduction of verses 1 to 3 first. The intro to the letter is fairly standard. It's very similar to Colossians. uh, But there's a couple surprises that are worth pointing out. So let's find those. First of all, the writer or the writers. Notice how Paul introduces himself as Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. A prisoner of Christ Jesus. He draws attention not to his apostolic authority. Notice that? But he draws his attention uh, to his suffering. Now, what we see is that being for Christ or of Christ, it changes everything. It puts into perspective, the right perspective, every human situation. If you are of Christ, if you are for Christ... That puts, that puts uh, the right perspective on every human situation. So Paul, in chains for proclaiming Christ, remember he's under house arrest in Rome. Was he the property of Rome? No. No. Was he under the power of guards, of the guards? No. Really? No, no. He's a prisoner who belonged to Jesus. He's a prisoner of Christ the Lord. How about the recipient then, the recipient's? Well, the next surprise is that Paul singles out a particular person. It's Philemon. Uh, Philemon, he describes as a dear friend, a fellow worker. After it seems working so close together in Ephesus some time back, how good must it, must it have been for Philemon to hear his name from Paul? Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be great? After so many years apart and so close working together for, for that gospel work, how good must it have been for Philemon to hear his name read out. It would have warmed his heart. Uh, next there's Apphia and Archippus. Apphia, probably Philemon's wife. Archippus, who gets a special mention at the end of Colossians, is most likely their son. Both may well have had some leadership in the church. And of course, well, both, both would have known Onesimus, wouldn't they? Well, finally there's the church. Now, that might be the biggest surprise that the church themselves are addressed, even though the issue um, we'll come to is a personal one. Paul brings the church in on the issue. Uh, Not only is the greeting in verse 3 plural, but in verse 22, Paul uses the plural, uh, we might say use, uh, in regard to their prayers. My view is that I don't think Paul's trying to publicly shame um, shame Onesimus or Philemon in fact it's not a, a public rebuke of Philemon Philemon has done nothing wrong 
He, it's most likely that this is the first time he's seen Onesimus since he ran away or even heard from him. This is the first time. Philemon has done nothing wrong. It's not a public shaming exercise. What we need to recognise is the corporate nature, the togetherness of Christian fellowship. That's the key here. Perhaps we jump to question such a public discussion of a personal issue because we've watered down the notion of the fellowship of believers. Anyway, more on that later. There's the greeting. Verse 3. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give to those who believe. Grace and peace. And then from verses 4 to 5 onwards, what we'll call uh, the thanksgiving, the letter becomes a word to Philemon himself. Now I've got carried away here and forgot to press certain buttons. I knew that would happen. There we go. I think that's where we're up to. There. Okay, great. The thanksgiving. Have a look at verse 4. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Notice that Paul is a prayer. Uh, remember back in Colossians 1, verses 3 to 14, in response to the good news he has heard from Epaphras, he's thankful to answer prayers. See verse 5 in Philemon. Because I, he, he, I hear about your, it's Philemon, your love for all the saints, the holy people, the church, and your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was thrilled because Philemon is powering on as a Christian. Wouldn't that be the, isn't that the best news? Have you ever, if you're a Christian person today, have you ever led someone or been involved with someone who's become a Christian, led someone to Christ? It's the greatest privilege that anyone can have, I reckon. Um, but a great privilege is then watching them grow, uh, watching them uh, uh, grow in, in their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus. It is a wonderful thing, and that's what Paul thanks God for uh, with Philemon. Watching him grow, he's thrilled because he's powering on as a Christian in faith and love. And Paul thanks God for the connection between the two in Philemon's life, faith in the Lord Jesus and love for all the saints, love for the church. Now, what does he keep praying for? Well, that's our next little question in this prayer in verses 6 and 7. Verse 6, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. It's a key verse. If you've switched off for a while, come back with me, all right? Uh, Key verse. The Holman Christian Standard Version um, is a a good translation of the Bible as well. um, And it puts it like this. I think I've got it up here. No, that's a quote. That's a pity. That's all right. I think it's on your your outline, actually. It is on your outline. I'll read it to you. I pray that your participation in the faith may become effective through knowing every good thing that is in us for the glory of Christ. See, the reality of Christian fellowship then is this. Here's the reality of Christian fellowship. You want to know a definition of Christian fellowship? Here it is. Sharing in the faith in Christ Jesus. This is what we believers have in common. Our faith in the Lord Jesus, our sharing in this faith, our participation in this faith, this is our fellowship. That's what it is. And remember we said towards the beginning that the fellowship of believers is powerful. Well, here's the point. Paul prayed for Philemon that his fellowship in the faith, his sharing, participation in the faith with the church of Colossae and especially with Onesimus may become effective, may be powerful. Their effectiveness will test the power of their fellowship. You see? So the question on everyone's minds at this point as they gather in that room in Colossae, packed all in together is how will Philemon's and Onesimus' participation in the faith affect what happens between this wronged master and this runaway slave? 
This is going to be a test case. It's going to be a test case for the power, the effectiveness of Christian fellowship. Now, we've got to ask a question too, don't we? We need to ask a question at this point. How does your participation or sharing the faith, sharing in the faith, affect the relationships with those around you today and with other Christians? Got to ask that at this point, don't we? I'm hoping over the next couple of weeks that that question will be answered, at least in our minds. How does your participation or sharing in the faith affect the relationships with those around you today and with other Christians? See, what we'll note too, if you look at verse 6 again, is that this effectiveness is linked to so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. You see that? Or back to the Holman Christian standard, knowing every good thing that is in us for the glory of Christ. See, my thinking is that this prayer of Paul's is pretty similar to his prayer in Colossians 1, 9 and 10. I'm going to read that to you again. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. You see the similarities? Verse 10 in Colossians 1. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Uh, that is, and this is the quote I've got up on the screen there, it is in this context of knowing and understanding the astonishing good that God is doing among us by uniting us with Christ that Philemon's fellowship in the faith will be effective. But the thing is, what we can see clearly, and we see this in verse 7, is that Philemon's fellowship was already effective. It's doing good things. Look at verse 7 with me. This fellowship in the work and love was being demonstrated. Your love has, been, your love has given me great joy and encouragement, Philemon, because you, brother, have refreshed the, the hearts of the Lord's people. It's working. It is being powerful. It is being effective in the Church of Colossae. Well, next week, our plan will be to flesh this out. Let's see what it looks like uh, and work out where this is all leading, especially in regards to Philemon and how the fellowship of faith will be effective. But for us at this point, we should pause and ask ourselves whether our fellowship in the faith, our participation in the faith, if you're a Christian person, we've got to ask, is it being effective? Does it make any difference to your life? That's what we've got to ask. It's a pretty simple question that has huge consequences, huge implications. Is the participation in the faith that we share making any difference at all? Is it powerful and effective? So that's what Paul prays and he thanks God for it at the same time with the Church of Colossae and with Philemon. Now what might this effectiveness look like? Well, in Colossians 3, 12 to 17, that tells us of the powerful effects of our fellowship in the faith. These are words that Philemon just heard before the letter to Philemon was read out. This is what effectiveness looks like, this is what participation in the faith looks like, the effectiveness of that participation. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. 
Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and psalms, through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Philemon just heard these words. We've heard them today. Let's pray that the fellowship and the faith that we share in will be effective and powerful. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you for your word to us today. We thank you for this great story. Uh, we thank you for Philemon. We thank you for Epaphras. We thank you for Onesimus, that, that you saved him, saved uh, Philemon of Epaphras too. We thank you for that church that met many, many years ago. And we pray for this church here today. We pray too for the same as what Paul prayed, that, uh, that the, the participation in the faith that we share, that the fellowship of Christian believers would be powerful and effective. And Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.